Frank. Dave, how you doing today? I am living the dream, Matt, as as per usual. Got a got a, a run in, a little four mile jaunt in my neighborhood. I I uh, I live right next to a crazy little part of town in Portland called Lads Edition. And Lads is this this half mile square where the streets are uh, um, they 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 don't just go north, south, east, and west. There, there are some that do that, but there are lots of little alleyways and in side streets, and but it's all laid out, you know, uh, ge- 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 geometrically. You know, I I've noticed that on your Strava stream. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's kind of a uh, an art, artistic pattern. Uh, well, I, it's a uh, the loop that I do in there is uh, there's uh, an octagon, and yep. it, it is exactly a mile. The octagon is. So today I, I jogged down one street and then I started my four octagonal loops, the, the lad octagon mile. Um, and, and averaged about 730 for my four miles, felt halfway decent. All um, right. Good you job. Know, so, you know, the, you know, the band is, you know, getting back together. I feel, you know, pretty excited, but, uh, uh, it's you know, yeah. And I got, uh, one of my favorite uh, local haunts is celebrating their uh, brew pub called Migration. It's the uh, place on Gleason with the picnic tables out front. Uh, there'd be two people in the world that will get that. But anyway, um, uh, it's, uh, it's a brew, brew pub that uh, we've been going to for a number of years, 14 years. It's their 14th anniversary today. So I'll probably head out there and see some of my buddies uh, later today. And, uh, you know, what, what are you up to this weekend? What do you got going on? Uh, well, I'm actually in Seattle. Uh, uh, I don't know if you remember Steve Gerhardt, uh, but I'm here. I'm here sure with uh, my buddy Jim Scatini, and and we brought our wives, Chris and Margaret, and we flew up to Seattle. Or actually, uh, well, Steve's daughter is a senior at Puget Sound. She plays basketball. She's a really good basketball player, and so you know, it, to, tonight is senior night, and uh, we thought we'd come and and cheer for her and watch her play and, you know, just get out, uh, and, and see things in Seattle. So, uh, here we are, we're having a blast, but I don't it's, know. It's I, cool. Remember Steve? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Gebhardt. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Ge- um, yeah. <laughs> He'll get that one. Steve Gerhardt. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, one of the things I'd say, you know, it's, it's really cool to see, uh, you know, our own kids doing uh, pretty amazing things, and the kids of our of our you know our close friends, whether they be college friends or uh, high school friends or people we work with, who are doing. And it's not just athletics, but seeing seeing kids go on to do stuff is is oh, it's, it's really uh, you know enjoyable. And you know, in the running world, um, I, I don't want to talk too much about it, but I noticed that yesterday at the U.S. Indoor Nationals, a kid named uh, Olin Hacker was second in the 3000 meters, you know, Tim Hacker's son uh-huh. and uh, you know, that whole Wisconsin lineage and the back of the day when Tim Hacker was at Wisconsin, they won the nationals one year and all seven of their varsity, their guys that ran nationals, they were not just all Americans in a time where lots of foreigners raced, but every one of them, I believe was from Wisconsin Amazing. and they won the nationals. Right. But, but it's cool seeing Owen Hacker's kid running well, Kid named a uh, guy named Scott Strand who ran at Auburn. I know his his son just won a big mile. Ethan Strand he runs for North Carolina and he won a big race recently. And 
you know, it's just, it's, it's cool, you know, seeing all this stuff. And so for you to be up there to see Steve's daughter play is, is uh, pretty fun and exciting and uh, makes you, makes you feel pretty good about things. Yeah. You know, it, 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 well, you, you know, Steve was a national champ D2 in the 15 back in the eighties. And, um, uh, he's a big fella. He was, he's yeah. a big fella. Well, at the time we thought, well, gosh, you know, how many, so Steve was, I think he was like 194 pounds, very tall, six, five, I think six, four, six, yeah. five. Uh, we thought at the time he was one of the biggest men to ever break a four minute mile. Well, now we, he never ran the mile under four. He ran the 15 and we've always converted it in our head, but he ran 342, uh, 342, you know. Right in, right, right in the ballpark for sure. Right, exactly. and, if he had, and if he had Nike dragonflies right now, that would be a three thirty nine one. Uh, okay, so time, I so I want to come back to that topic because you brought it up uh, a couple <laughs> of weeks ago. I uh, but I I want to you know Steve, so Scatini and I also drove down to Santa Barbara. I can't remember when it was last year or the year before because Steve's other daughter is a very talented eight hundred meter runner, and she oh, ran for sweet. Santa Barbara. She was a walk on. And she ended up becoming that year their number one eight hundred meter runner. So she ran a two ten at the conference championships, which I thought was pretty good for a walk. What always what was remark, you know, besides the fact that Steve was a bigger guy, yeah. One of the things that I marveled at, I mean, he certainly he was a very good runner, obviously D two national champ, but his his um, gait, his his running style, yeah, did not befit a six five hundred ninety four pound dude. He he sort of danced on his toes. He was a he was a toe runner, and and, uh, and it just didn't look right to see a huge dude out there dancing on his toes like that and being so good. Yeah, you, you wanted you wanted to be this hugely powerful dude that just crushed the ground, and he just scooted along, and you know, yep. um, remarkable, you know. But obviously, a very very good runner, and you know what, and a funny guy. Gerhard <laughs> always made me laugh. That's you know, he always can make me laugh. Well, so yeah, yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> so so um, uh, you know, we probably end up spending a few more minutes on Steve, but we should we should let it go. But Steve, Steve also, he did run a one forty nine eight hundred. No, it was one yeah one forty eight or one forty nine. I can't remember now, but he was a good eight hundred meter runner. Um, but he was up on his toes. Uh, when you say big tall and lean yeah he well he wasn't overweight or anything he no. was just a big big dude I, I would i would argue sort of big boned he carried a lot of weight on him but it wasn't he he wasn't out of shape by any means i mean he's a four minute basically a four minute miler 194 pounds yeah he was fit he he's also and this is the last thing i'll say about see if we will move on but he gets the award for guy closest to his college weight 40 years later uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Good for him. He's probably weighing in about two hundred nine right now. So that's not so bad. Yeah, that's okay. cool. That's cool. So, so Dave, we had some bad news this last week, um, and I, I don't want to dwell on it. I want to stay positive, but we tragically lost Kelvin Kiptum. Kiptum, yeah, uh, uh, the world record holder in the marathon. Um, <sighs> You know, just and, devastating. And a young, just, and a young guy, a young, a young, a young 24. man. Yep, twenty-four the, years old. I believe that that many, many, many people thought that you know the running world he would be the, you know, was the heir apparent to Kipchoge, 
And, right. um, you know, having run so fast, so young and, and just made it, you know, when you watched him run, it was just a thing of beauty. I mean, he looked so under control. I think um, what when he ran when he when he broke that well when he ran Chicago this year right he ran Chicago yeah he ran Chicago in October right and ran uh, two, two he averaged, hours what? and thirty five seconds and he averaged four thirty six a mile I believe somebody said right and, yeah uh, you know um, you know in the words of Larry Rossin go down to your local track and see him on one lap in, in sixty nine seconds because <laughs> he did he did that for. Uh, 26 miles. So he did 26 times 404, 105 laps. It was said 69 seconds with no recovery in between. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, but you know, yeah, it's a sad, sad, sad event. I, the, the story was that he was driving and lost control of his car. Is that right? Yeah. With his coach. And there was a third person in the car. The, the, the coach also yeah. was killed. The third person is in critical condition. So, uh, yeah, sad. just so sad, so sad. Yeah, and then, uh, and then, just a couple of days ago, um, we lost not a, not a young man, but certainly one of the greatest uh, distance runners in a, of our era. I mean, he was right. Um, you know, maybe he's just a, a little before you, but I I actually was in some races with Henry Rono. Um, you know, when I say in races with him, I was yeah. not, certainly not racing him. Yeah, uh, yeah. but. Um, he passed uh, just a couple of days ago. I think yeah. he was age seventy-two. Yeah. But you know that eighty-one day stretch in nineteen seventy-eight, he broke four world records. Uh, he had the three thousand, the five thousand, the steeple, and the ten k. Right? And uh, yeah, eighty-one days, and he did it. You know, I think one of them was in a dual meet at Cal Berkeley. Um, you know, uh, just unbelievable what he did in that stretch of time. But I got a lot of Henry Rono stories. I don't know if we have time for all of them, but uh, um, I, I, I either beat him or almost beat him at the 1980 Cascade runoff um, here in Portland, 15K. Mm. I was just had graduated high school. I don't recall ever seeing him, but when you look at the results from that day, uh, you'll notice that I was either just in front of him or just behind him, and I, I honestly don't remember which, but I don't ever remember seeing him, so I don't know how that happened. Um, so that's a good story. Uh, one, one, of, one of my other favorites though, is in, in 84, he, he was out of Washington state at the time. Uh, but the NCAA championships were in Eugene that year and Washington state had, uh, as always a, you know, a, a cadre of, um, talented, uh, Kenyan distance runners, mm -hmm. uh, Peter Koich, who at the time was maybe a 1305 5k guy, one of the best guys in the world. And they had a, a guy named Julius career who had won the steeplechase in the NCAA meet mm -hmm. that year, went on to win the, the, the steeplechase in the Olympics. And yeah, uh, they were in the 5,000 meters that, you know, uh, career was doubling back and uh, Kuwich was in that 5,000 as well. And it got to about, I don't know, three or four or five laps to go. I forget exactly. And somewhere near the steeplechase pit where, where I was watching the race, um, there was the old, the old Hayward field years ago had a, a very short chain link fence that, you know, that kept the crowd off the track, basically. And it was maybe, I'm going to say two and a half, three feet high. It wasn't, you know, if you really wanted to go on the track, you could. Yeah. Right. But with about three or four laps to go, three and a half laps to go, um, uh, the, the, it's, a, it's a spirited battle. And Henry Roto leaps over the small fence and, and sort of runs in the lane three 
and kneels down and is shouting encouragement to Peter Kowicz and Julius Career. <laughs> and, and I believe that had been anybody else at the time, he'd have been summarily escorted off the track, but he was Henry Rono, the four-time world record holder. <laughs> and uh, nobody seemed to bat an eye. Um, That's great. Uh, I got I got one more. I can't help. Yeah, it, yeah. You know. Keep going. Uh, one one was in the summer between my junior and senior of college. Senior of college, I lived in Eugene, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of my runs, I lived maybe uh, less than a half mile from Hayward Field. Okay. And a lot of my runs, I would finish by running into Hayward Field and do a half a lap and exit the other, you know, the other side of the track, um, and run up by Matt Court and head home. And one day as I, I ran in, I looked up in the stands in the old East Grandstand and a very good friend of mine, a guy named Stan Link, who had run at Milwaukee High School here in Portland or in Milwaukee um, and ran at University of Oregon, was sitting in the stands. There was nothing going on, but Stan was sitting there. And he lived in Portland at the time. And I stopped and I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just, I just, I was down here for a doctor's appointment. He's, he had a bad knee and his, you know, his, uh, his doctor that he had, you know, used when he was running in college was the guy that had always worked on him. Mm-hmm. So he came down to see his doctor and he said, I just walked over to check out the track, you know, as, as uh, old guys like us did. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I noticed this. And he points out on the back side of the, uh, the other side of the track. And there's a guy running. He's, well, he's just jogging. He's got, you know, uh, gray sweatpants and a gray sweatshirt. And, and I look at Stan and I go, is that who I think it is? And Stan gives me this this look, this wink, and he goes, 100%. <laughs> and, uh, and it was Henry Rono. And so I I think he's getting ready to do a workout. You can see his bag there and his shoes and all this stuff, right? And so I'm thinking, this is 1979, right? And he's you know, a year from away from when he broke all his records. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a treat. I'm going to get to watch Henry Rono do a workout. Like, That's how awesome. great is this? And so I go sit down with Stan, and we're just chit-chatting. And Henry walks over to his bag. He's got, he finishes his warm-up, walks over and grabs his spikes, and he puts his spikes on, and he does one little stride. And you see him sort of shake his head, and he walks back to his bag and takes his, takes his spikes off and puts them away and puts it, grabs his backpack and walks out of the stadium. <laughs> I, was, I was hugely disappointed. I felt like I, had, I should ask my money back. The fact that I hadn't paid anything was irrelevant. I just felt like I'd been cheated, you know. Uh, but man, I was so excited to watch Henry Rona work out. That apparently wasn't going to happen that day. So, but uh, you know, he he was, you know, I, I would say a little bit of a tortured soul. I mean, despite all of his success as a runner, did not live a great life afterwards. I know he, he battled alcoholism, and yeah. uh, but I can tell you that the few times that I ran into him over the years, and other people told me similarly, he was just a sweetheart of a human. He was a nice, nice man, um, yeah. and and people would come up and talk to him about his running, and he would often deflect. You know, he'd be thank he'd thank everybody, but he didn't always want to talk about his running. You know, so. Yeah. Um, but another yeah. that's a it's a tough week if you're a tough week. You know, a distance fan, you know, especially a Kenyan Kenyan fan. So, well, so, all right. So yeah, uh, so I thought today, Dave, that we talk a little bit about about marathon running, but. But before we get there, um, what was going on in, at Boston University this weekend? What, what's that about? Well, I, it, it wasn't a big, big meet. Um, I, it, what it was is like, you know, Boston University is in the 
I don't know, Northeastern Conference or whatever, whatever their, their collegiate conference is. And I, I, I should know, but I don't know all the conferences. And in addition to their conference meet that they were hosting, they did some, whatever you, exhibition races. Um, uh, and, and I don't know the full slate, uh, but I know that they had a pretty darn good crew assembled for the men's 5K. And it looked like it was going to be a really good, uh, good event. And it turned out that as a race, it was not particularly competitive no. because um, Grant Fisher was in the race. Um, in his second race as a uh, not running for the Bowerman Track Club, uh, last week he ran 8.03 to break the the indoor two-mile record, American Yeah, we talked record. a little bit um, about that last week yeah. and had a great uh, debut race for 2024. But, but so yesterday I, I read that he had a rabbit for about two kilometers and then ran solo for the last 3K and ran 12.51 for 5k indoors 1251 84 which was how far off of woody kincaid's american not much i think it's i think he's 1251 i think it's 61 so within a couple couple tests he he almost got it and if there would have been anybody close to him in that race uh i'm sure he would have gone under you you would think he probably would have done it but but i think you know to me it's not whether he got the record I, i like records too but but for him to go out and basically solo that yeah. at this time of the year really bodes well for, you know, what he might accomplish this year. And, yeah. you know, whether he's going to be a factor at the, at the world level, um, you know, if he, if he's at, if he's in 1243 shape, you got to believe he can be competitive, you know? Yeah. Um, so very, very exciting, you know? Yeah. So, very exciting for the rest of the year. Now, uh, so, so, you know, you know, I live in Napa, and uh, something's coming up there. I understand. Yeah. So, so the you know, I, I've run two marathons. I don't want to talk about the the second one, but the first one, I actually, you know, I, I have a little bit of experience running. It was not. I waited. I probably should have run one when I was in college, or or right after the track season ended, my last year of college, just to see what I could put up when I was in shape. But I didn't. I waited. I waited about five years and, you know, it was a, a working stiff. Um, yeah. And I, so I jumped in to the Napa Marathon and I had been running, you know, I'd been running and I, I did, I can tell you, I did, the only thing I changed to get ready for that Napa Marathon was um, about eight weeks before the race, I ran a 14 miler and then six weeks before I ran an 18 miler and then four weeks before I ran a 20 miler. And I think I did one more 20 miler. That was it. That was the extent of my marathon training. And then I jumped in and I just, because everything else was just the kind of training you had always done. Yeah. Just, you know, trying to get, you know, I'd like probably running, I don't know, between 40 and 50 miles a week. Uh, uh, okay, and, and and not you know, and you and I would run together. We'd work out at Foothill College, or we'd go do Rancho San Antonio, or power poles, or whatever. But yeah, yeah, uh, that you know, and we do like a hard day here, you know, once once or twice a week. Um, so that that's that's what I did, and I I trained with John Foley and Robert Anderson, Craig Steinmoss, and then we all show up at the starting line for Napa, and um, you know, my goal was just just break three. I just wanted to break three. I didn't know what I could do. So, yeah. and then we found a group 
pretty quickly that wanted to break three. And so, uh, you know, I, there was, the, so there was the training part and then there was the actual race part where you have to think about, well, how, are, how am I going to run this? And, uh, it's very easy to run a marathon if you've never run one before. And I hadn't, uh, if you, mm-hmm. to get out beyond yourself early. Um, and, and, and so I was running with, with, um, you know, these guys, uh, we did the first mile in six ten, which, you know, was way under pace for a three hour. Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and John Foley t- says, Hey, Hey, that's it. Slow her down. We got to get real this thing back in. So we very quickly backed it off to like six forty fives, and we just went to sleep and we found some guys that wanted to break three and we just locked in with them and fell asleep for like the next 15 miles. And, and then, you know, at about, at about 20, that's when it really started. Oh shoot. I got six more of these. So, yeah. so you had to work the last six and sure enough, I, you know, I, I got in at two fifty five. Uh, which I thought, you know, given that I hadn't really been competitive since in the last five years, I, I was happy with that. And that, right. that is my marathon PR right there, 255. And uh, now, tell me how you, at, you know, you're, you're an experienced marathon. You're a good runner. I, I was, as I said last time, I'm <laughs> a very average runner. How would you prepare for a marathon? Well, let's let's first of all that sort of redefine our terms because when you you know when we say one person is good and one person was mediocre et cetera et cetera everybody's got a you know relative idea of what they think is good right and and so my my PR in the marathon uh, would would put me uh, we were talking about Kelvin Kipton um, I would be three and a half miles to go when he finished. <laughs> Well, not not only that, the two gentlemen that we were talking about two weeks ago are are United States Olympic team qualifiers, uh, who we think are good, who we think are really good. I mean, they ran great. Yeah. They yeah. were a mile and a half behind Kiptum when at at Chicago when Chicago, they finished right. you know, when when he was so, finishing. So my point is that you know there are there are thousands of runners who would be overjoyed to run three hours in the marathon. Oh, sure. Right, I mean, no, and, I, and people that, that take it somewhat seriously, right? So I think it's all it's all relative, right? Um, I yeah, I had some success in the marathon. I ran, I ran two eighteen, uh, my first one, and uh, I never ran faster than that ever after that. But um, but I I didn't time. change much at all. Um, but I but but on the at the other hand, on the other hand, I was training at a very high level. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I I decided to run a marathon in you know, sometime in maybe the spring or summer of 90. Uh, I decided I would run a marathon in the, in the fall or winter of 90, 91. So I started, you know, putting things together with the idea that I was going to run a marathon. And so my mileage didn't go way up. I probably, my mileage probably went up, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe an average of eight or 10 miles a week over that, that stretch from compared to what I might've done in a previous year when I was training for the steeplechase, right. training to run, you know, 10 Ks on the road or cross country. So it wasn't a huge increase in mileage, but what did change as you basically the same as you said, is that my long run definitely got longer. Um, right. My long run for many years was 12, maybe 14. I mean, yeah. for, for a long, long time, that was, 
you know, that when I lived in the training manor with Mark Olson and Jeff Atkinson and, and these guys, our, our long run was typically about 12 miles, sometimes 14, but I'm pretty sure before I decided to run a marathon, I'd never run more than 14 miles. Right. And, right. uh, and so then, yeah, same as you, I started, you know, increasing that long run. So if the longest I was running was 14, then, then I did a 16 miler and I did that for a couple of weeks. Maybe I dropped that down to 14 and sort of leapfrogged up to six uh, to 17 or 18. Right. And, and I tried to get as many of those longer runs in. I think the most I ever did was a 22 miler, uh, in preparation. Um, there are people that run the full distance. Um, I'm, I'm more a believer that you need to be out there for the amount of time you think you're going to be running as opposed to the distance. Uh-huh. If I think I can run three hours. I probably should do a run that gets pretty close to three hours. Right. Um, you know, some, you don't have to go the full three hours, but I don't think an hour and a half is going to be enough. Right. So, so my, so same as you, my long run increased. And I also started to throw some things in. We would do some long runs where we would do some, uh, you know, some pickups on the end, of the, or progressive on the end of it, or do something in the middle of it. But but mostly it just became longer. And one super important thing, we loved running the trails back in the day, right? We ran at, we ran on Mount Tam with you guys right. sometimes. Yeah. I ran yeah. Rod Berry sometimes. We ran at Hutter Park and Wonderlick Park. But if you're going to run a marathon on the roads, there's a huge difference in the pounding that your body takes on the on the pavement compared to the trails. So there's nothing wrong with doing some of your long runs on the trails, but I would say maybe two out of every three probably should be on the road because that's the, that's the, what you're going to run, you know, you're going to be up against when you actually run the race. Yeah. Um, so, so I did my, increased my long run and I started doing much longer sort of threshold runs. Mm-hmm. So I run, Rather well, than doing a, a, what do you, what do you consider a threshold run? Well, there are a lot of definitions of threshold runs, um, but the the you know sort of the standard one that that people use now is about half marathon pace, and so you would run twenty to thirty minutes at half marathon pace. Mm-hmm. So if you were if you could run a half marathon at averaging six minute pace, you would run five miles at six minute pace, right? Um, would you do when any, when so I, you, you just warm up for a little bit, then go thirty minutes at half marathon? At, at, at uh, I always, you know, I always did a real what I consider a real warm up to do that kind of workout. I know some other people sort of work their way into it. Maybe they're it's in the middle of a longer run, mm-hmm. um, but um, but I, I typically tried to do a regular warm up with my drills and things like that. But yeah. uh, but I but I didn't. So what I started doing was doing longer runs at say marathon pace. So. I would do maybe a 12 miler at my goal marathon pace. Mm, mm. So, you know, to, when I ran my first one, I was hoping to run 515s. So I, I would go out and run. We had a run called Zots around the Stanford area. It was a 10 miler. Mm-hmm. All, the, uh, the, all the miles were marked on the road. And so um, a guy named Ron Grayson, who was a grad student who'd come from Princeton, uh, Ron Grayson went out and uh, I think on his bicycle, and measured all the miles and spray painted the marks for us. Um, and so uh, I would run, you know, I'd do that run and then add on around, you know, somewhere where I knew where the miles were around Stanford. Um, but I'd run like 12 milers mm-hmm. uh, where I would do, try to hit the pace that I wanted to run the marathon in. Gotcha. Um, now, I've, I've heard some people will actually do mile repeats. Is there a place for in marathon training for any, anything like that? 
Well, I mean, don't, don't you think, uh, I mean, you know this as well as I do, that, that you know, the, the training to be a distance runner is largely the same, whether you're running a marathon or a 10K or 5K or whatever, right? There's, right. there are a lot of overlaps, right? So mile, and, and when, you know, when you do mile repeats or 800 repeats, a thousand repeats or whatever, there, there are so many different ways to, to, to frame that, right? If I do mile repeats with 30 seconds recovery, hmm. You know, well, how fast am I running? Like, and I mean, what I, I mean, the actual time, but what's the effort level? Am I running marathon pace? Am I running half marathon pace? Am I running 5K pace? You know, if I'm doing repeat miles at 5K pace, I'm probably taking at least almost equal recovery, right? But if I'm doing a marathon pace, I'm probably doing about 30 to 30 seconds to a minute recovery. Right. Right. So, so you're, you know, so is there a value that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know plenty of people that do two mile repeats or I, I read recently that some, uh, I can't remember who it was. It might've been Joe, Joe Rubio's group and uh, with the Aggies now, or maybe, no, it was, uh, it was Mance. It was Connor Mance and um, Clayton Young. I saw the, their workout on, you know, flow track or somewhere. They did four by three miles. Ah, uh, Okay. At, at, you know, at theoretically marathon pace with, I think, three or four minutes in between each one. Um, okay. So so I don't think there's any question there's, there's value in that. But those, yeah. I'd say the two things that I changed were my, my long runs got longer. Mm -hmm. um, I, my long run got longer. I had a midweek longish run. So mm -hmm. if, my long, if my weekend run was, you know, 19 or 20, I might do a 12 or 13 miler midweek. Right. And I also... Uh, I didn't do a, that long tempo every week, but my, my tempo efforts became, instead of six or seven or eight miles at whatever pace, they, they slowed down to marathon pace and and went 12 miles, 10 or 12 or 13 miles. Gotcha. So those were the main things that I changed. Uh, you know, if I was not, I wasn't a contender to make the, you know, the, the um, uh, Olympic team or anything like that, but, it, you know, it seemed to work for what I was trying to do at the time. All right. No. So, so now I, I want to talk a little bit about race tactics with you, but let me give you a little background on why I'm asking. So my, my buddy, Jim, who's here with me this weekend in Seattle, Jim Scatini. Yeah. He has, uh, three sons. One of the sons is Dominic and he was a fantastic football, baseball, and basketball player in high school. And his real, his real calling was as a shortstop and he was, you know, he just has that athletic ability mm -hmm. and he's an infielder and um, he played club baseball in college at uh, UC Santa Barbara um, the whole time. So now he's, he's, he's like the rest of us, a working stiff. He's, <laughs> he's out of school and uh, you know, it's a lot harder to find a competitive baseball team after work. Um, so he decided to pick up running. And uh, so now he's, you know, here's this guy who ne we never thought of Dominic as a runner. He's always this, all this other stuff. Uh, but now he's running. And, you know, Jim was a great runner. And uh, yeah. Uh, so now Dominic is, 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 is doing really well. And so he's got, he's run, I think he's run a, a couple of halves by now. And uh, he's gearing up to, Run and, Napa and, uh, in two weeks. How, how old is Dominic? Mm, I want to say he's 24. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so, it's funny to me that it's not unusual, I, I think, for, you know, athletic people to eventually find running. 
And, you know, here, here in Oregon, you know, you've got the hood to coast relay. And so, you know, people that never ran a step in high school, yep. uh, certainly didn't run in college. You will, you will, you know, you'll run into somebody somewhere and they'll go, Hey, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to run the hood to coast. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, that's awesome. Right. And, you know, in, 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 in the Bay area, it was beta breakers, right? Yep. It was, you know, people that never ran said, Hey, can you help me? I got, I got eight weeks until beta breakers. I'm going to run. And so, you know, they would always ask people like you and me to help them, you know, with, with their training. Um, so yeah, yeah. when they're athletic, like Dominic clearly is, um, it's just not surprising to me that he has found this. And uh, you're, you're going to tell me how fast he's run, but I won't be surprised that, to hear that he's run relatively fast is my guess. Well, I'm only going to tell you that just to give you a, a frame of mind for, for, you know, how you would advise him going into the race and, and ta- you know, what tactics he should use. So, so, you know, no surprise. He, he picks it up. It comes naturally to him. Uh, and he, he was thinking he would try to break three hours. And, uh, but then he found out very recently that the qualifying time for Boston is 254. <laughs> so he checks in with his dad. He says, dad, do you think I could, could I run? 254 and qualify for Boston? And Jim says, I don't know. Uh, tell you what. Uh, and this was a couple of weeks back. Jim says, well, why don't you go warm? He lives in San Francisco. Warm up for two miles and then go run along the waterfront where it's flat. Uh, run 16 miles at whatever pace that is. 640 pace, I think. Yeah. and uh, Which is the 254. Which give you a 254, yeah. Okay. And and see how it goes. So, um, you know, this is how stupid we all are, Jim. So, so Dominic will share the share share his Strava result with Jim, and Jim, of course, shares it with the rest of us. He ran his sixteen miles at six twenty one pace. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <coughs> dang. So, so now I don't. Uh, so his goal is to run two fifty four. Now, based on that background, what advice would you have for him to make sure that he doesn't go out too fast? That he that he actually, I think that that's good enough to to get under and qualify. But how would you go about that race? Well, that's you know, boy, to think the the, uh, the joy of youth, huh? I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, you think back to when we were, you know, we were twenty four, twenty five. We weren't doing we weren't doing a bunch of sixteen milers at six twenty one pace. No. Now, granted, granted, that was probably a little harder effort for him than it would have been for us. I mean, not that we couldn't have done that, but but still, at our age, it is really uh, you know it's like wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. I, I think the biggest thing the biggest thing is what you you already talked about, and when you talked about your marathon, right? It it's if you've done your preparation well, then the beginning of that race is so easy yeah oh, and so it's like, it's, it's going to be it's going to be nothing for him to go out and run six minutes for the first mile and he just can't do it right you just you know whether his dad runs the first few miles with him and and, and they run 640 pace or whatever they decide you just you, you you know and there there are people out there and i will i will say you know with, with all due respect dumb people out there who <laughs> say no it's fine to go out too fast and bank some minutes right and, you know, if you want to bank 30 seconds, if you want to run 254, 
and, and you go out in, uh, you know, you go out, what's half of that, 127. When you go out in 126.30, you're okay. Right. Right? But you go out 123 when you're trying to run 254, that's not an intelligent thing to do. You know, so I think, so I think the, the, the biggest thing is, is not to get too greedy. He's 24 years old. He's got lots of chances to run more marathons. Like if he really decides he likes it and he really gets into it, he, he'll have plenty of chances to, to go all over the world and run things like Berlin and Rotterdam and Valencia and, and do all these cool things, you know, um, and, and run really fast when he's 30 or 32. So this first time, if his goal is to make Boston, go out and run 640s, right? And maybe a little faster, maybe, maybe 635s, but – is that, I, I really think if you went 621 for 16 miles, he certainly can run 640s for the whole thing. That's right? I don't think I that, that doesn't seem like, you know, barring, barring weird things, right. barring things like, you know, blisters and, you know, yep. stuff yep. that, you know, so be smart. He's got a dad to this for a long, long time. He's probably going to tell him, don't put, don't put on a new pair of shoes the day of the race. Don't, you know, don't wear a pair of shorts you've never worn. Don't wear, you know, like, you know, practice some of the things that you're going to do. Um, you know, but uh, I don't think there's any question out based on that that he's capable of, of running that time. And I and I think you, you know, let's say you get to you get to 20 and you feel great. You're running 635 to 640 and you feel great. Go ahead and run the last six miles. You can yeah. you can probably make up you know a, a minute, two minutes, three minutes, and six, six miles if you're feeling that good. You know. And so you run 250, 251 on that one, and now, and now you've qualified, and so you have a better idea what you yeah. might be able to do the next exactly. time. But I think I just think you you don't get greedy on the first one. If you're, yeah. I mean, if the goal is really to make it to Boston, just get the time this time, you right. know. And and don't I, I guess the part of it, and I've had this conversation with kids that I've coached over the years, not about the marathon, but you know, just make sure you respect the race. Like, you know, it, it, there's it, the marathon's not easy. And if, if he's in really great shape and, and, it's, and it's easy to run 254, that's awesome. But, you know, the first time, I don't think it would be wise to go out and think, ah, I can run, I can run, I can run 241. I think that'd be probably a mistake. Now, he might do it, you know, but he's got plenty of years ahead of him to try and run faster. Exactly. I think I, think I mentioned to you recently that I, I had a, a guy that I, I taught with. He was a young guy. Um, and he had been a four-sport guy in high school. He played, he played soccer, basketball, and baseball. Uh, and then senior year, he decided to play football instead of soccer. We do soccer in the spring here or fall here. Um, and uh, he played college baseball at Gonzaga. Uh, ridiculously talented athlete, right? And he had run some road races with his dad when he was growing up. And so when he was done with Gonzaga playing baseball, he started running. And when I first met him, he, he told me he had run the marathon in 307 or something right, like that. Right. And I said, well, what do you do for training? He said, I just go out and run. <laughs> and I said, how fast? He goes, oh, about the same pace I run my marathons. And I was like, well, that's not really training. <laughs> um, and so we sat down and sort of planned a few things and got him to do some threshold type work and that made his goal, you know, run a little easier on his easy days, a little faster on his fast days. And, you know, and he, and he became... Uh, a very solid runner. I mean, he's now like a two thirty one wow. marathoner and loves oh, it. Awesome. And you know, yeah. and he's and he's uh, he's still a high school baseball coach uh, and um, loves loves baseball still. But he's a very good runner. And so, so I could see you know I could see your guy Dominic. I could see him doing something similar to that, yeah. right? 
he certainly clearly got talent. Yeah, well, you we'll know? see. Well, hey, Dave, uh, yeah. we've got to wrap it up today. Yeah. It's always great to talk to you. Um, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, go ahead. Oh, just and, and again, the you know the 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 the, uh, the accomplishments or the the things that the, the, our kids and our our friends' kids are doing is a is you know it's a joy to behold. And uh, so you know I don't so know fun. Jim Scatini as well as you do. I know him reasonably well. He used to come to Portland somewhat regularly, and yep. we'd get together and do some morning runs. And he'd send me a, a you know a box of artichokes, and uh, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, so it's exciting for me to, to hear about, you know, uh, Steve Ger Gerhardt's daughter and, uh, and Jim's son. And, um, yeah. you know, this stuff is really, really enjoyable. It is so much so. fun. Dave, as usual, great to talk to you. I will catch up with you soon. All right. Have a fantastic uh, time tonight. Go. What's her name? Is Sadie? Is that what you said? Uh, Paige. Oh. Name's Paige. Paige. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking of Sadie, Sadie Engelhart that runs for Ventura High School. This is Paige Gerhardt. Right. So, dang, I was close. Paige, all right, go get him, Paige. Go get him, UPS. <laughs> all right, Dave. Good to talk all to right, you. Thanks. Take care. All right, see you, Matt. Bye-bye.